Our next guest is Steve Young. He's no stranger. He's a Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion, and now is uh, you see him on Monday Night Football with ESPN. Steve, thanks so much for joining yeah, us Mark. to make the, the Hall of Fame case. Patience with me. <laughs> That's all <laughs> we right. Had three different starts. I got kicked out of my office by my wife. I couldn't find my <laughs> the right time. I mean, you guys are patient. Nice work. <laughs> well, we know that you're busy, so uh, we just appreciate your time uh, to help us because the, the reason we're here is to help make the case for Roger Craig to be in the Hall of Fame. It's long overdue. And so I want to start off by saying you're still very involved in the football community, the NFL community. Do you ever hear anything that might give us some some idea of why Roger is still not in the Hall of Fame? Or do you have any idea? Uh, it's hard. I, I, I've watched this now for 30, 25 years, I guess. Uh, and... It, the problem is that once you miss the window uh, and then age out, then things get really hard because there's just more and more great players coming. Yeah. And so, you know, it becomes a numbers game and, and it's unfortunate. And I think there's also, um, I don't know. I mean, I, the great teams you know, the 49ers are during the 80s and 90s, are they one of the great runs of football history, right? Pittsburgh and and the Patriots now. And so the Hall of Fame needs to pay that off. You know what I mean? And so I, I the only thing I can think of is they feel like they paid it off in some way. Like, oh, we mm. we did our work uh, and, and we got to just wake them back up, you know, to... Uh, the reality that there were Hall of Fame, there were, you know, five Hall of Fame players on that team, you know, that there were six Hall of Fame players on that team, regardless of whether you think, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers teams, I, I think that there's probably one, two, three, four, five, six, seven through those, the kind of that, that Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steeler run, you know, right. in the 70s and the early 80s. And so that's eight or nine. I mean, maybe eight or nine. I don't know. So, I mean, Clearly, there we haven't hit that limit yet. So, yeah. uh, and so I, I don't know. I, I saw, and and then it really is thirty nine writers like yourself, media people who are voters who decide it. And so we're we're not. This is not a pub a publicity. Uh, you know, this is not a, a broad based voting. We're not trying to sway lots of people. We're trying to sway thirty nine people. Right. And uh, hopefully they'll watch. <laughs> is there is there anything to this East Coast bias? We we hear that a lot, especially with teams and players on the West Coast. Is that a real thing or is is that just more of an excuse? Uh, no, I think that there's um, I don't think that people on the East Coast realize it. When we talk about it, we feel it. But they like what? What do you, I, you're 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 crazy. And I think what it is, is <clears throat> most of the football teams are kind of Chicago and East. Um, there's a handful, like a handful of teams in the West. And uh, the truth is, other than when the 49ers are great, or the Rams pop up, or the Raiders pop up, or even Seattle pops up, you know, what I mean, that's not, you know, it's just, the bias is more just the weight of this, of how it tilts, right? And yeah. so when the 49ers were great, I think it's it it helped 
just wake people up to West Coast football. The Raiders did that early. We did it for a long time. Seattle's done a nice job here and there, and the Rams did one won a championship. So, you know, in Denver. So I mean, like it, Kansas City. I don't know if they. I don't know how they look at it, but it's it's the bias is really just a numbers game, mm-hmm. and what teams have the weight. You know what I mean? And it's weird. Like Dallas is an like is an East Coast biased team. Like they get it that they're in the East Coast and they're they're in the NFC East, and you know they can play anybody. It's a big game. You know, you're like, well, why? Right. Uh, no, no. Why would why do we care about that game? They're they're terrible. <laughs> but it's just the Giants, anyone in Pittsburgh. You know, I mean, it's just. I think it's just. I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just human nature. Yeah. Last year, I wrote a story for 49ers Web Zone that you were a part of uh, when where we made the case for Roger Craig with uh, with some information from Larry Kruger, uh, who at that time was with KMBR. And when I got the statement from you and this this podcast series is being built around that story, you said Roger was a thermostat player, his talent and spirit raised us all when we lagged. What do you mean by that? Uh, how how did he raise the temperature of the team? On Roger just field? Roger was high high knees and high spirits. Like that's just he. The knees are I think our metaphor for how he lived his life. And if you see Roger today, same thing. Like hey, you know what are you doing? Where are we? What's happening? You know, and uh, that's a, that's a natural God given talent gift of spirit that Roger has and I always will have. And uh, I think that that's, you know, great teams need all kinds of people. And Roger played a unique role. The thing that I think historically we should, what should, I think the thing that creates the most um, momentum for Roger to be voted in by those 39 is to make the case that where football has gone today, Roger was the, the, the back that started it all. Like he, the idea that in the West Coast offense, you needed a someone who could line up in all the positions, who could run it from the eye, who could catch it on the, on the wide, could line up in the slot, like all the things. And, you know, you look at the, the death of the eye back, the death of the split backs, like, like the guys that couldn't do that can't play football today. And so you just don't want to – you don't want to be on the ash heap of, of – players that are positions and, and styles that are dead. Mm-hmm. Like they're just gone. And the eye back is dead. So I would not want to be, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, any, any back today that can't, they're all, they're all leaving the game. They're all yeah. getting, you know, they're all going uh, away quickly in the last four or five years. There's, there's only a couple of eye backs left and they're, I don't think they're going to be catching a job unless they can transition to a, Roger Craig type of game. Right. And so in that way, I think when you're voting for the Hall of Fame and you see you have Hall of Fame credentials and you were the founding member of what became the, the profile of exactly what a uh, running back needs to be today, I think there's some a lot of energy in that. It's mm-hmm. like pay that off, pay that pay that uniqueness that you brought to the game that was looked at as an anomaly and maybe a reason not to be voted in back 20 years ago, but today an absolute reason to be voted in because the game came to Roger Craig. 
Yeah. The game today has come to him. And so I think that's a that's a statement for the 39 voters to think about, like, pay that off. Because if you're going to because the Hall of Fame running backs today are all going to be Roger Craig kind of players just by nature. Ronnie Lott said that whenever you're the first to do something, that means a lot. And of course, Roger Craig was the first running back to score three touchdowns in a Super Bowl, the first thousand thousand. And so I think that that rings home that whenever you're the first to do something, as Ronnie said, that that really means a lot. And as you uh, have mentioned, should be considered. What did uh, my last my last question for you is kind of is, is really a two part question. What what did getting into the Hall of Fame mean to you? And along those lines, since Roger Craig has had to wait so long, what do you think it would mean to him mm. to be elected to the Hall of Fame? Well, uh, you know, so much of the game, there's 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 always two things that you hold in suspense. There's the sense of team and a sense of I got to make a career for myself. And, you know, and doing both those is an athletic event. And I think the Hall of Fame pays off that I made a career for myself. You know, what I mean, it's like I, I think that that's why it's five years later. It's like, you know, it can't it's not necessarily you get there with a lot of help. And a lot of great players around you and all that. We get that in football. But I think um, that that sense that you start singularly, singularly as a college player and you want to go try to make a career and you made that career. And at the end, you made it a Hall of Fame career is, is pretty profound. It's, it's very, very meaningful uh, for me. Particularly, particularly, we talk about, you know, doing things differently. I mean, I got kicked out of Tampa Bay because I was a scrambler, lefty. And <laughs> they hated, you know, they hated players like me. People could, coaches couldn't stand it. And they couldn't see any of the possibilities or the, uh, and with Bill Walsh, it, not only he see possibilities, he saw an advantage. And that was, so, you know, pay, paying that off to kind of forging new territory. How many times did I hear about being left-handed or being a scrambler? I was like, geez, how many passing titles do I need to win before you stop <laughs> saying that? But because it was just done so differently, they couldn't register the excellence at the position because it was just, it looked different than the way they thought it should look. Mm -hmm. And I say that about Roger Craig earlier, but I, I have to say myself, like the game's come to me, the guys that are going to rule the NFL for the next, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, I have no idea, but the game has become so much more wide open for the quarterback and you've got to be able to get all those free yards that are out there and first, first downs and touchdowns. And if you don't, you're not going to win Super Bowls. And so in that way, um, that's what the Super, you know, the Hall of Fame for me is very, very meaningful because I think it said hopefully to all those guys coming that, you know, despite, you know, the, I don't know, I don't want to say discrimination. I just say the, the lack of understanding mm -hmm. for the capability. Because the truth is, once you could pair excellence in the pocket and running, you couldn't be stopped. That was the best thing going. And that's what Patrick Mahomes realizes today. Josh Allen, you know, Joe Burrow, uh, all those guys. Uh, Lamar Jackson's trying to learn how to become that sophisticated passer because you can see how he can run. Um, and any young player is going to have to kind of match that. So that's what the Hall of Fame meant to me. 
Yeah, and just like you were something different, Roger Craig was as well. And uh, as you've put it, put it well that uh, that the Hall of Fame needs to 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 pay to to come good on that. Uh, Steve, yeah. thanks so much for you your time uh, for helping us make the case well, for Roger Craig. Well, thanks for caring about Roger. Roger is somebody you want to take care of. Roger is. We we opened the the podcast talking about the spirit of Roger Craig. And it just feels like a bust in Canton would, you know, like he'll make the bust in Canton more alive and rich because <laughs> of who he is and who he who he will be. So, yeah, good luck. He, he definitely deserves it for All sure. Right. Thanks, Take care, Steve. Mark. Thanks so much. We have now with us the great Ronnie Lott, four-time Super Bowl champion and many years the teammate of Roger Craig. Ronnie, thanks so much for joining us and helping us make the Hall of Fame case for Roger. I wanted to ask you a question. It's been decades since he retired from the NFL, and yet he still isn't in the Hall of Fame. Why do you think he's not yet in? Well, you know, that that to me is one of the mysteries. And the reason it's one of the mysteries is that uh, when you're the first to be able to do what he was able to do and being that when you're the first to catch, you know, so many passes in a season and you're the first to do certain things in life. I've always felt like, and John Madden used to say, when you're the first in line to do whatever you've done, that means that you're a hall of famer. And when John Madden would say that, it always reminded me of how many people that have been the first to do something And Roger Craig obviously was the first to do that. And then the other thing that I think is really important is that um, we sometimes forget about the tenacity of what it takes to play in the NFL and what it takes to play offensive football. And and what what I mean by that is that when you think about Roger, um, a lot of people look at Roger and – they forget that he was a great, he was a great running back. He just didn't right. receive the ball, but he was a great running back. And 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 there were times for us, especially late in games, when Bill Walsh would always say, "We got to win the fourth quarter." And the way we're going to win the fourth quarter is we're going to run the football. And to me, that was the thing that I thought that Roger Craig did a wonderful job of being able to run the ball in the fourth quarter. And we won a lot of football games. So uh, that was a Hall of Fame kind of statement because a lot of our games we won because of how Roger could run the football. And then the other thing that I think is that to me, when it what really jumps out is um, I've seen other backs that have just recently gone into the Hall of Fame that um, – have said, and people have said what they've done, and they've used it as an attribute for how many passes they've caught and and how many things that they were able to do with Peyton Manning or with other quarterbacks. So to me, again, that's what I try to measure, you know, people buy. And 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 I think the other thing for for the 49er fans and really for all football fans is that. When you go to Nebraska, <laughs> you learn to love something. And so right. Roger, Roger and I room uh 
from his rookie year. Hmm. And what 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 I loved is I never met a day that he didn't want to be a great football player. Yeah. So man, I got a chance to wake up every day on the road with the excitement of understanding how much he loved the game of football. Wow. And that to me, uh, a lot of times, um, you know, your roommate that you have, you can be measured by that person and, and you can be measured by the person that you room with in training camp. And I room with Roger in training camp. And, and I, I can assure you, there was never a moment that Roger Craig did not want to play ball. <laughs> and, and, and so that's why I'm laughing right now because, um, you know, when you go to Nebraska, man, your, your heart and the things that you think about and the things you want in your life is, is, is really around not having a lot of things, but doing certain things great. And, and Roger not only has done that with his post career, I mean, the company that he worked for and the things that he's done after his career, uh, he was he he you can measure it because he was always willing to get to work and ready to show people how much he wanted to work for the company. And that's the other piece that that attribute to me is something that he has brought not only to the game of football, but to his life. And uh, and I'm and I'm I'm a I'm a benefit from that because there were so many days that. Um, I found myself going, okay, let's go. (laughs) If you're ready to go, let's go. And so that's, that's the beauty of being around a guy like that. Yeah. Did he ever get you on that hill? You know what? He never, (laughs) he never got me on the hill. And, uh, that hill is legendary, legendary for a lot of reasons. Uh, obviously he and he and he and Jerry Rice were amazing at running the hill and uh, I had a chance to witness the hill and and look at it, Uh, but I never had a chance to run it. And, you know, you just said something there that made me think of another person that um, I used to train with and uh, his name was coach parks and coach parks Mm -hmm. used to always, you know, talk about people who worked out, who trained, who found themselves, in the off season, wanting to get better. And, and, you know, when you think about Roger and you think about Jerry and the dedication that they had for how they would work out in the off season and the things that they would, you know, try to push each other to have that excellence. And so there are so many things that, that, that Roger did off the field to show how much he cared about the game. And so those are hall of fame moments not just because of what you do when you show up and make, you know, four or five catches or you make, you know, long runs. It's the Hall of Fame attitude that you have off the field and the things that you want to do to be great. And that's the kind of characteristic that Roger brought. And that's the characteristic that Jerry brought is that they wanted to be great. Yeah. They just want to be, they didn't want to be guys that just showed up. They wanted to be great. And, and um, I've, every time I'm around him, when I see him, there is nothing but joy and happiness because of uh, his 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 innocence of wanting to be just a person who loves people. 
Mm. Yeah, and and I've heard those stories about him being stopped in the airport and how he not only will stop and sign autographs, but that he actually will take time and ask questions. You know, how are you doing? How did you become a 49ers fan? How long have you been? Uh, you know, and so that says a lot about him. I spoke with Mike Singletary about this, and Mike said that he puts Roger Craig up there higher than any of the running backs that he played with or against. And he said that includes Walter Payton, that Roger Craig is right up there on that level. Why is it? And he, he mentioned that that not only was he a class guy, but he said that the, the reason he was so hard to defend is that he was such a, a, a distinct mismatch when you played him because you didn't know if he was going to fly by you or run over you or whatever. As one of the greatest defensive players ever, why was Roger Craig or guys like that who, who are mismatched, why are they so difficult to defend? They're difficult because of how they are able to attack you. And so think about what Mike just said. Mike is one of the greatest linebackers ever to play the game. I, I met Mike when he was at SMU, and I know a lot about his intentions of what he was trying to do when he would attack people. But that's how, when you're attacking people and when you're trying to bring people down, the bigger question is, what are you trying to get at? And what are you trying to do to get the person down? The hardest part in life is attacking people and tackling them and getting them down. And I think one of the mm. toughest parts for anyone that plays the game of football, no matter how good you are, is that when you look at Debo, Debo doesn't necessarily look like he's a person <laughs> that's going to attack you. But what he does is that there's, there's a, a, an, an emotion that right before he hits you, there's an emotion that he brings that that emotion allows him to find a way to not only attack you, but to almost get you to almost bounce off of you. And so <laughs> that emotion that he brings in that situation is invaluable. And that kind of emotion is the same thing that Roger would bring. And one of the things that I loved about how you bring that kind of emotion is that you can do that not only with the shake and bake, but you can also do that when you actually get your knees up and you're running high and all the things that you do. And so the question is, is that there's more to how people are bring, being brought down. And that's one of the things that I loved about when you watch, when you watch certain running backs and everybody says, well, how did that guy get that? How did that guy get that yard? He's the only person that can actually get that yard. <laughs> there's a, there's an emotion that a lot of guys bring that allow them to be able to say for a yard, I'm good at this. Matter of fact, I'm even great at getting that yard because I understand that that's all I need. And my point is that when you think about Roger Craig, he had all of those kind of, kind of emotions and, and, and situations where when he had to make a move or he had to have his knees where he would run them, to a point where they're high, or he learned certain things at Nebraska about how to break tackles. And my point is, we think that when we see people that miss tackles or make tackles, that it's just an automatic. Yeah. 
that's 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 further than the truth. <laughs> what it is is that when you have a Hall of Famer like a Mike Singletary, there's a reason why Mike has a Hall of Fame attitude about attacking certain situations. And that's where when you have a guy like Roger Craig and when you have somebody like Walter Payton, that you start to find ways that in practice, you start to sit there and you start to measure and understand what you got to do to bring those people down. And my point to you is that that's the kind of student of the game. The student of the game is always trying to find ways to measure themselves to make sure that when you do play against a great running back like Roger Craig, that you can find a way to bring him down. And if you can't find a way, he's going to show you why he <laughs> is a Hall of Famer. And that's the thing that I love about Roger. Roger, Roger didn't take plays off. Mm -hmm. Roger didn't take moments off. Roger, I mean, if there was, an, if there was an, ever a person who doubted that Roger took a moment off, that was not the case because that emulation of him and he and Jerry trying to find ways to push each other in practice, that was real. That was like something that the both of them took a lot of pride on in terms of making sure that they found themselves making, making the effort of saying, we're going to do everything we can, every practice we can to be the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. And Mike Singletary mentioned the same thing that Roger Craig never took plays off, that he would run over you, then help you up. And if you made a tackle, uh, you know, you made a good play, he would actually pat you on the back and say, hey, good job. So talk he about would. how he was just a class act all the way around. You mentioned that you were roommates with him. How much does it mean to him to get uh, enshrined in Canton? You know, um, great question. And when I just, when, 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 when you said that, it took me back to um, the times that we would talk about how he grew up hmm. and how he, you know, felt about the game of football, how when he would wrestle and, and, and being a wrestler, you know, in, 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 in his, in, in his hometown. And, and, and so there's a lot to that story of the essence of why Roger Craig is a hall of famer. Uh, and the reason I say that, that there are so many elements that, um, he brought to the game and that he brought to the, brought to our team and the standard that he brought to our team, the, the pursuit of what he wanted to do to make sure that he could be a part of our team, the, the, the excellence of how many passes he caught. Those things to me um, remind me of a kid who every day wanted to go out and make sure that he never dropped the ball. He mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that, he never let any of his teammates down. Um, you know, Hall of Famers are not just about the plays you make. Hall of Famers are about people who try to find ways to exceed the people that they're around. Mm 
to show them that this is what the game means to them. And so when you asked me that question just now about knowing him and being around him and being a person who uh, appreciates the game, even when I see him now, you know that everything that he put into the game, he meant every moment. He didn't, he didn't, you know, I have this saying, exhaust life. Hmm. Roger Craig exhausted <laughs> life. He exhausted every moment that he played on the football field. And um, he was he was intentional about doing that in a way that made all of us better for for so many reasons. And 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 the reason I say for so many reasons, it's the it's the guy who was sitting in the corner who is not necessarily ready to go. And here's Roger right there pumping up, pumping him up, <laughs> getting him ready to go. And and those are the things that he brought to our team that, you know, as they would call him catfish and, and <laughs> you know, some of his nicknames that he had, you know, I, I just I I'm just I'm I'm thrilled and honored that um that I had a chance to play with a guy who 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 loved who loved the game and who loved, you know, waking up the next day ready to go and who loved, you know, trying to find ways to make sure that I was ready. And, yeah. and, and, and those kind of things to me, um, you, you never forget. You'll never, I'll never forget what he did to help me get to where I got to. And so um, I'm trying today to make sure I pay my respects and pay it back to him because, as Mike said and others have said, Roger Craig deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. That's right. And that's a great endorsement uh, coming from one of the greatest players in NFL history. Ronnie, thanks so much for helping us make the Hall of Fame case for Roger Craig. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, as I always say, hey man, exhaust every moment. And, and thank you for doing that for Roger. My pleasure. My next guest is three-time Super Bowl champion Brent Jones, my personal favorite tight end, but that's a different story. Brent, thanks so much for joining us and helping us make the Hall of Fame case for Roger Craig. Oh, thanks, Mark. It's great to be on and uh, always great to support uh, a great player that was certainly transform transformational in NFL history. Speaking of which, it, it's, it seems from some media that we've talked to that, uh, including some that are Hall of Fame voters, that their concern for Roger Craig is that so much time has passed and there are younger voters coming in and that some of these younger voters didn't have the opportunity to watch the impact that Roger Craig had, not only on the 49ers, but on the NFL and the fact that today there are players that they know well that have fashioned their game after Roger Craig. So what kind of impact did he make on the 49ers, on Bill Walsh's offense, and on the championships that uh, you guys won? Well, Roger was instrumental in the success of the 49ers. 
um, throughout the 80s. Uh, he, what he brought to the table um, with Bill Walsh's guidance was a, an impact that at the time no other running back had had in the league. Um, a big part of that was the way that he fit into the West Coast offense. Um, Roger, as a running back, running the ball, was punishing, was powerful, uh, was quick, was elusive, was all the things that you want in a running back. And the game was much more of a run first game back then. So he, as a standalone running back, was as good as anybody playing during the the, the 80s. Um, when you look at him and what he brought as a receiver out of the backfield, it's weird because at the time there weren't a whole lot of running backs making an impact whatsoever, catching the ball out of the backfield. What Roger did was really change the way offenses played uh, in the eighties with mm-hmm. running backs becoming much more of a weapon out of the backfield. Uh, Roger was a very precise route runner, ran great routes, caught the ball so well. And for him to amass a thousand yards receiving the same year that he had a thousand yards rushing is something that at the time was so mind boggling that you almost couldn't comprehend it. And so I, I think that these younger voters and people that look at statistics only, which is, which nowadays is, is almost everybody. Um, <laughs> they, they gloss over a whole era, which was really the 49ers era in 1980. And Roger was leading the charge on that team. You came to the team in, in what year? Uh, 1987. 1987. And so you come into a team that had already won a couple of Super Bowls and you have Joe Montana, you have Jerry Rice there. And so I'm sure coming in, you notice guys like that and Ronnie Lott. What did you what do you remember about Roger Craig? I mean, he had the big eyes when he would run. He had the high legs. What what did you initially notice about him? Well, you know, with Roger, he's such an impressive specimen um, and such a good guy, just easygoing, fun-loving off the field. Um, But what I noticed right away was his work ethic. Mm. And it was really interesting because you expect people to work hard at the NFL level, but he was above and beyond anybody that I had come across at that point. And, And the thing that stood out the most was other players were patterning patterning their workouts after Roger and what Roger brought to the table, even though he wasn't the the longest tenured 49er at the time. And so to see Jerry Rice say, I want to pattern my workouts after Roger Craig and Ronnie Lott and Dwight Clark and and all these guys, um, it really put him in a leadership role in terms of the way that you prepare for a game, the way that you get ready for a season, uh, the punishing way in which you work out so you can deliver that same punishment on the field to opponents. Um, I think Roger really set the standard there. You uh, you blocked for him for a handful of years. Uh, you ever catch those high knees in the back or anything like that? Man, oh man! Well, I've got a, I've got a few uh, grazes before, but those high <laughs> knees did more than their share of damage. Whether it was guys' arms, shoulders, ribs on the opponents, or even catching a guy that was getting too low under the chin, 
and, and the way that he kept those things churning, uh, it was remarkable. And and I don't think we've seen uh, a running back like that since Rogers era. Uh, and and just the way that he punished, he he had those legs constantly churning, uh, and and those high knees, man, they they would they would bring some heat for sure. Yeah, he he definitely had his own unique style of running. What do you think that it would mean to Roger Craig? You know, you know him well. After all of the years that he's had to wait, what do you think that it would mean to him to get into the Hall of Fame? You know, I I think it would mean everything at this point in his life. Um, you know, a, a a great player on the field, a great person off the field. I think he's accomplished pretty much everything other than this last phase, which would be to get into the Hall of Fame. And I think it would it would just be icing on the cake for him and and just, a, you know, kind of the perfect definition of a career that everybody aspires to. But he's just so close to. Uh, and it's interesting because you look at some of the dominant teams uh, of of the 70s and the 80s and 90s, and there's more, more than fair share of Cowboys and Steelers in uh, and it seems like the 49ers are underrepresented significantly compared uh, to those two legendary franchises. And for what, whatever reason it was, maybe not enough voters on the West Coast, uh, maybe writers falling asleep, maybe the lack of uh, writers intensity that would pound the table for for their guys. Somehow, some way on the West Coast, we don't have what it takes, uh, it seems, to get players in and so that's that's been a frustrating uh component of all this yeah i did a uh, uh, this this series obviously is based on the story that i wrote for 49ers web zone last year i did a follow-up to that where i talked to mike singletary uh we got a statement from harry carson and then found statements from several other coaches and players who played against roger craig or coached against roger craig Mike Singletary put him right up there with his teammate, Walter Payton, mm. and even went as far as to say, I actually put him higher uh, than Walter Payton. There were a couple of coaches, John Robinson and Dan Reeves, who at some point in the 80s, and I think they both were at different times. One was earlier in the 80s. One was later in the 80s, where they said both had said Roger Craig, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but Roger Craig is the best running back we have in the game right now. Of course, John Robinson coached Eric Dickerson. Mm. Was there a time uh, or, or was it throughout the decade that you guys thought that very thing, that we have the best running back in the NFL right here on our team? You know, I think there were definitely times and years that we that we felt that way, and I think it was definitely true. Um and you look at the two names that you mentioned, Dickerson and Peyton. I mean, those guys, you know, stand so high uh, in in terms of people's uh, awareness of the Hall of Fame. And Roger was right there. And it's a little bit of a head scratcher um, when you look at, at those two players and their careers and the teams that they were on and you compare Roger. Um, and so I, I think there's more than a handful of people that that are a little befuddled, but yet have uh, a couple of those uh, 
legendary coaches come out and and say exactly what so many people have thought. Uh, it it really makes an, a difference and an impact. And so uh, I I I really feel like it's just a matter of time. And it's been a long time, but it it feels like there's a little bit of a wave uh, going, Mark. And and you've been instrumental in that as well. Well, I appreciate that. But uh, for me, it's just about letting people remember who Roger Craig is and what he accomplished. And it's guys like you um, helping endorse him that really make a difference. Brent, thanks so much for your time. And thanks for helping us make the Hall of Fame case for Roger Craig. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate all you do. And uh, let's go, Raj. I am thrilled to welcome Carmen Policy, the former team president and CEO of the 49ers. He was there for all five championships, helped build the dynasty that they called Camelot uh, in those days. Carmen, thank you so much for helping us make the case for Roger Craig. Well, thank you very much. And it's a pleasure being with you, Mark. It's it's definitely our pleasure. I remember you telling me last year when I was writing this story for 49ers Web Zone, which this podcast is based off of that story. And I remember you telling me that back in the day, you were part of the interview process for Bill Walsh and actually helped write up his first contract. That is that is really cool history for a 49ers fan like me what uh did you realize that you had what what you guys had at that point you know that you're hiring bill walsh who became one of the greats or was it just like hey you know hopefully he turns into something good what you have to realize is that on a a particular uh, night in early early january the 19th 1979, that um, two, two guys in their 30s <laughs> managed to find our way to San Francisco. And there we are, Eddie and I, Eddie DeBartle and myself. And I'm a couple years older than him. And um, he, was about, he was about 32 or 33 then. And uh, we're sitting in his condo thinking about this interview the next night of this fella coaching Stanford, who is old enough to probably certainly be our much, much older brother, if not our father, (laughs) and and who he is and so forth. And I I have to really tell you, Eddie was sold on him. He he felt from, from day one, and he fought. He fought a lot of pushback from a variety of people who felt that Bill Walsh wasn't head coach material in the NFL. Hmm. And uh, including, by the way, Ed's father, hmm. who was a big fan of of uh, Paul Brown's, uh, who, uh, as you know, world famous with the Cleveland Browns and the, right. and the Cincinnati Bengals and some of the other big time names in, in uh, football. Uh, and then all of a sudden that next night when he walked in the room and filled it with his presence and was magnificent. Hmm in the way he presented himself and the way he presented his vision for an organization. And Eddie made up his mind right then and there. No one, no one was going to change it. And I was wow. part of it, but I have to be honest with you. I, I, I was right there with Eddie. I was so spellbound hmm. that uh, to me, I thought, wow, this guy, he's, he, he's either from central casting 
in Hollywood, <laughs> or he was made special in heaven to come and, and create, uh, a, 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 for want of a better term, a, a, you know, a, one of the greatest franchises in all of professional sport. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty impressive. That's that's an amazing story. And of course, Walsh started building this team and he started with guys like Montana and some of those guys. But in 1983, he drafted a running back out of Nebraska named Roger Craig. How did, how did that come together and, and how long did it take Bill Walsh to realize, whoa, I've got something special or did he just see that automatically? Well, I, I think all of Bill's coaches who were involved in the evaluation of uh, running back uh, uh, personnel and all of the personnel people in the, um, in the building saw Roger as kind of special. You know, he always has been uh, totally dedicated to fitness, uh, physical readiness. Uh, he had a very good reputation as an individual. He had great work ethic. The reviews that came from his coaches and from some of the other, I must tell you, from some of the other players uh, in Nebraska just were glowing. And I, 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 th that really pushed him way up. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I also think it was Walsh who saw this versatility factor that he could incorporate into an offense that he was always, you know, that he was already in the process of developing and give it an even greater dimension and more alternative uh, firepower with a talent like that, if the talent could be developed along the lines that he needed it developed. And again, keep in mind, Roger, Roger wasn't just some slippery, slick, fast, yeah. uh, juking uh, tailback. He was also a fullback. Right. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's gone to the Pro Bowl as both a fullback and as a running back or a tailback. Yep. He only and, the only one that's ever done that. Yeah. Is that so? Okay. I, I wasn't aware of that, but but I knew he was he he went there and he was a fullback and he went there you know a smasher and he went there as a uh, as a as a true running back. Although I think he could have, based upon his record, also gone as a receiver. But <laughs> um, but it was it was it, 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 I think. Bill sensed something, but may not have known fully what he really had acquired when he took uh, Roger. And I think it was the third round in 1983. Yeah. Now, he he definitely changed the offense. Um, Bill Walsh has even said as much. He told Matt Mayoko that he wasn't able to fully use his offense until he had Roger Craig. I, we all saw what he did, but one of the things that people hold against him in regards to the Hall of Fame, there, there are a few arguments against if, you know, he doesn't have the eye popping stats that some did, but, you know, he played with Jerry Rice. So who's going to have the eye popping stats when they play with Rice? But one of the other things is Roger is, is the fumble in the uh, 1990 NFC Championship when the Giants uh, recovered the ball and went down and, and kicked the field goal to to go to the Super Bowl. What do you say to people who use that argument one play 
against Roger Craig being in the Hall of Fame? I, I think it's an argument that should be decried and should never be used. I think it's an argument that if someone tries to make it, they're belittling themselves because it's a specious argument. Mm-hmm. It has it, it should have no value in a process as important as the determination as to whether or not an athlete is admitted to the Hall of Fame. However, I, I've I've come to this personal opinion that that fumble for that game, as momentous as it was with all of the drama that preceded the uh, the NFC Championship uh, contest against the Giants, including the drama with the Giants and per- Parcells and the big Monday night game uh, yeah. that was uh, classic. It's one of the mm-hmm. NFL classics that occurred during the uh, the latter half of the season. I, I think it left a bad taste in the memories of people. And unfortunately, you, you know, you talk about perfect storms sometimes. The opportunity to remove that taste was not there when the season was over and mm-hmm. free agency had hit. And unprotected players, including Ronnie Law, Roger Craig, go off into uh, uh, other uh, team environments. They're no longer part of the family. They're no longer part of the 49ers. And it it just seemed to me that that Roger kind of got lost in the process. I don't think his career was, uh, you know, spectacular after that. So it wasn't something that would have allowed him to bring his own sunshine into his mm-hmm. uh, area of darkness, so to speak. And then when things calm down and, and heads should be dealing with proper arguments rather than specious arguments, he didn't have the champions to stand up for him like Bill Walsh, who would have had a voice and who would have had a voice that would have been listened to uh, if Bill were in a position to be the advocate that he was capable of being. Right. And, uh, uh, and even Eddie was leaving the 49ers and new ownership stepped in. And there was nobody to pick up, uh, pick up the, uh, the mantle. Uh, there was no, no one there to, to stand up and say, hold, you realize who this man is and what he did in his career and what he meant to the 49ers and how he changed professional football in terms of the offensive game that's played then and now. And uh, he got kind of lost in the way. Everybody easily found their way to Joe Montana, um, Steve Young, Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice. And, you know, it's just, it just kind of fell in. But nobody was there. And Roger wasn't the type to want to pound his chest and reach out and try to promote himself, yeah. even privately. Uh, it's a long, long way of going around it and just say it's, it's just an unfortunate set of circumstances started by an unfortunate event in a game that none of us could have anticipated 
and all of us still feel the sting of today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you make a good point, especially when when you think about Charles Haley leaving the 49ers uh, and going to the Cowboys, and he he won what two more Super Bowls with them, mm-hmm. uh, or no, he won three more Super Bowls with the Cowboys. And yet it still took him a while to get into the Hall of Fame. And so it is easy to see how a player can get lost in those uh, those those the voting and in and, and that kind of process. What do you think if you were given a platform to present and, and this and you actually you are given a platform because this is this podcast is going to be presented to all of the uh, senior Hall of Fame voters. So for those that watch. What would you say is the the reason or reasons that Roger Craig belongs in the Hall of Fame? Well, I think you have to look at the total package. Was he effective at every single thing he did on the field? Was he effective at every single thing he was called upon to do once he took the field? Did he change the dimension I'll call it, and the effectiveness of what we call the West Coast offense and the Bill Walsh creation in terms of how the game on the offensive side of the ball was going to be changed, and there's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. And to suggest that he was blessed with this world-famous coach and uh, great quarterback who went directly into the Hall of Fame and um, and Jerry Rice, who came after he was there. If I'm not mistaken, Roger had already been uh, in, had already won two Super Bowls by the time Jerry came, didn't he? He had won one. Roger came in 83 and Rice came in 85. So Roger Craig had won. Okay, you're right. We had won two. Right. Roger had only played in one. Right. But he had had already been a, a significant factor in that game, by the way. Yes, he at Stanford. He definitely was. And um, uh, and you could make the argument and reverse it and say Bill Walsh's offense wouldn't have worked the way it worked were it not for the his brilliant introduction of Roger into the mix. Yeah, and Jerry Rice, as great and phenomenal as he is also had the added advantage of not necessarily another receiver on the other side of the field to distract and so forth. But those defenses they played against, many of which had, by the way, Hall of Fame players Mm -hmm. on their squads who were designed to be on the field to stop people like Roger Craig, were unable to stop him and thereby open the door for even greater opportunities for these other Hall of Famers on the team. I just... It's almost as though people are trying to come up with reasons to vote against Roger to more or less put salve on this 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 ugliness that's in the back of I'll say in all of our heads of not being able to get rid of that that fumble that unfortunate Mm -hmm. single play and it's almost like we can't think beyond it. Right. You know, I mean, first of all, all right, what about the def- our defense? Our defense had an opportunity to stop 
the Giants. They were on their own 40-yard line. And then when you look at the, 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 the field goal that was kicked, it was within inches <laughs> of being missed. Yeah. And but for inches or maybe a, a little better effort on our defenses uh, uh, part, oh, you and I aren't having this the, the, this session. Yeah. And uh, but, but that's not the way the game goes. That's not right. the way the ball bounces. Uh, so I, I just I think look at how he changed the game and look at how he played it, no matter how they asked him to play. Are we are we supposed to deny accolades and positions of, uh, of prominence to players who are multi-purposeful, who are diverse in their talents, who are capable of doing more than just one thing and playing more than one position as it's tightly defined? I don't think so. If anything, you might say that that, that player who's capable of covering so many more areas of, of, of performance should have higher marks than this totally specialized uh, competitor. I, uh, I, again, I, and, and part of it too, what, what, what makes it so painful is Roger is such a good guy. Yeah. And he's such a hard worker and he meant so much to his teammates and he meant so much to the, besides what he did on that, on, on that playing field, what he did in the locker room and how he bought into the Walsh system and 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 how he bought into the the, the 49er family and so forth. Uh, I, I'm not sure we got as far as we got without him on this. Team. Mm-hmm. Well, he he was uh, is a super a three time Super Bowl champion. Scored three touchdowns in Super Bowl 19. Then in Super Bowl 23, made some critical plays in that final drive when Joe Montana hit John Taylor to win that Super Bowl. So you're right. Maybe they don't win those three uh, that they won with him. Well, well, they probably win the Denver one because they scored, uh, what, 55 points. So, so right. I think you win that one from the running back. But, uh, um, you know, so... Carmen, thank you so much for your time and for helping make the case for Roger Craig. You made some great points, and um, and I just really appreciate your time today. Mark, thank you for the opportunity to to do something that I think needs to be done, and and I I, I just pray that the Roger gets a fair fair and square opportunity this time. Our next guest is Randy Cross, Super Bowl champion and one of the guys who blocked for Roger Craig for almost a decade. Randy, thanks for joining us and helping us make the Hall of Fame case for Roger Craig. Tell me, why do you think that Roger's not yet in the Hall of Fame? Um, Yeah, I'm not really sure. I keep pretty close tabs on that sort of on an annual basis. I, I think if you look at historical impact and whatnot, the, the, the case is there. He plays a position where the bogey or the standard is kind of loose. Uh, and I say loose only in that, you know, there are guys that get into the Hall of Fame that had similar length of careers and, you know, similar yards, whatever your criteria is. Um, I know when I was playing, there was nobody – there wasn't a better all-around back than Roger Craig. Um, 
you know, Walter Payton was a better runner. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, I, I look at it pretty simply. Um, you know, it, it's a dwindling number of people that actually vote on this thing that that have any kind of historical perspective mm-hmm. um, on on this for him. Uh, it's it's to me, it's unfortunate because, you know, you look at a guy that came into the league um, in 85, right after a Super Bowl that we won. I mean, in 83, before we won the, the second one. Right. Um, as a fullback, basically, a guy that had <laughs> spent a lot of the time at Nebraska blocking for Mike Rozier. Um, and when he came into the league, I think Bill Walsh instantly recognized what an unusual talent he was. Uh, he kept him at fullback because we had Wendell Tyler mm-hmm. at halfback. Yeah. But we basically ran a two halfback offense. And as he sort of matriculated in his career, his role expanded even more and more. I mean, he was always asked to block. He was always asked to protect. He was always asked to run with it. I think what really set Roger apart was what a threat he was out of the backfield catching the ball. And that was something that no one had had the kind of year that he finally had a couple of years later, you know, with a thousand rushing and a thousand receiving. And it would be some time before anybody even touched that, by the way. Um, So, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's the hall of fame is full of guys that have done historical things. Um, and it's full of guys that have done historical things in spurts and careers. (laughs) Um, so as to why not recognize Roger and his greatness, I really, I really couldn't give you a, a, an honest answer Uh, besides the fact that I'm a little biased. Blocked <laughs> for him and been in that <laughs> offense and and know how underappreciated a lot of things about that offense were in that era. They just didn't know, to be right. honest with you. It wasn't their fault. It was, yeah. you know, it was a very East Coast centric time for the NFL where everything was the NFC East and smash mouth football and whatnot. And, you know, we were instead of using dynamite like many offenses did. Um, we wore your butt down mm-hmm. and made you play our style of football. And, you know, they could call that finesse. They could call that whatever you want. But anybody that tried to tackle Roger Craig would tell you <laughs> there's nothing about the way he played football that had anything to do with finesse. You mentioned Walter Payton. He was one of the running backs of the 80s. I think John Riggins was on that list. Maybe Marcus Allen was on that list. I, I Eric Dickerson. Yeah, Eric Dickerson. Mar- yeah, I don't know if Marcus was or not. He probably should have been. Roger Craig was on that list. But Roger's the only one on that list that's not in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's the only one on an all-decades running back list from the 70s, 80s, or 90s that's not in the Hall of Fame. Make his case. Why does Roger Craig belong in the Hall of Fame? Well, I think what you just said at least speaks to his qualifications pretty highly um, as far as the the class he was in, the, the group of guys that he played within an era of. Um, you know, why is he not in? Because he didn't rush for, for over 10,000 yards. He's not in because he didn't last for 10 or 12 years. Um, and if that was the criteria, there'd be a lot of damn Hall of Famers that wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> 
but you know, like I said, the bogey at times at certain positions tends to kind of move, but, but I, I look at him, I look at that list that you just, you mentioned, um, you know, Riggins was a very different running back from all the mm-hmm. other guys you mentioned. He was more of a blunt object <laughs> than anything else. Um, it was a very run based kind of thing with that old counter tray and whatnot for Washington. Um, and he, you know, he obviously had a hall of fame lineman or two in front of him blocking. Uh, but you know, Roger was in an offense that I think utilized all his gifts and he, he was able to use those gifts. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you mentioned all those guys, how many of those guys, I think the only other one that has a similar history to Roger from a standpoint of gifts and, and taking advantage of him might be Marcus Allen because mm-hmm. people forget that Marcus started out doing a lot right. of blocking at SC. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's an unfortunate thing for Roger. He, he's one of the classiest guys you'd ever want to meet. He's a, he's a real friend and, you know, he'd be the last guy to make his own argument. Maybe that's, maybe that's one of the things. And maybe you've got to be that guy that just stands up on a soapbox and tells everybody on that committee and the hall of fame and whatnot you know, you got no idea what you're doing, you know, like it's happened on several occasions the last <laughs> decade or guy, guys that have said, you know what, F you, I don't want it. And yeah. then we're shortly awarded. That may be good advice. Say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I talked to Mike Singletary and Mike, when he spoke of Roger Craig, he said that he puts him up there with the greatest running backs that he ever faced and he said i even put him up there with my own teammate walter payton which you mentioned Mm -hmm. how high like to me that seems like really a great endorsement from a guy who had to try to tackle him saying this guy belongs in the hall of fame it's long overdue what do you think about that statement as somebody who was blocking for him hearing the words from from uh, Mike Singletary who had to try and stop him. I, I think it's about as honest a evaluation as you could ask from, if I ask for from a, you know, a true competitor and a, and a contemporary, you know, like Mike. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there was a defense that was the nemesis of the 49er offense <laughs> during that era, it would have been Singletary in the Bears defense, right. and Buddy Ryan and, you know, the 46 and go down that whole list of the conflicts that we had. Um, but, you know, I would look at, if you're talking about Bear Niner games, yeah, there were games where they got us and got us at Soldier Field and whatnot. But, you know, in the two biggest games we ever played were NFC championship games. Mm-hmm. Look and see how Roger did in those games and, <laughs> and what he did and guys like Jerry and guys like Joe. And yeah, I, I think Mike, Mike's very, very humble. And he, he throws high, high praise like that for contemporaries around like manhole covers. <laughs> so, you know, you got to pay attention when a guy right. like Mike, Mike says something like that. Yeah. Definitely, definitely do. Randy, thanks so much for joining us and helping us make the case for Roger Craig. 
Thank you. Hopefully uh, a lot of us will be uh, rewarded with that notification here in the, in, in the short future, but you know, we'll see if people smart up a little bit. <laughs> That's Randy Cross. My next guest is Jesse Sapolo. Jesse has known Roger Craig for many years because they came in the same draft in 1983. And so Jesse knows Roger Craig full well because he blocked for him many, many times. Welcome, Jesse Sapolu, the four-time Super Bowl champion, right? Yes. You were on the 84 Super Bowl team and the 94 Super Bowl team. So that's that's a pretty... A uh, pretty cool accomplishment. So, tell me what uh, what it was like coming in that same draft as Roger Craig. How long did it take for you to get to notice him and to see that maybe he was going to be something special? Well, we came in together. He was our first pick. Uh, we didn't have a first rounder, and uh, I was our last pick because we didn't have a twelfth <laughs> rounder. So uh, they roomed us together. Uh, I think I impressed during mini camp, so they figured they're going to room me with uh, our first pick. But right away, uh, you could tell the versatility of Roger Craig. You know, uh, people need to understand that there was a lot of sacrifices that a lot of these players made for this organization to win Super Bowls because Roger did not start off as a tailback. We put him at fullback uh, to sacrifice his career in the beginning. and. Uh, you know, as we went along, uh, you know, uh, when the title retired, we moved Roger to tailback. And obviously everybody knows that he was the first NFL player in history to go over a thousand as a receiver and a thousand uh, rushing the ball on the ground. Uh, is that's a very difficult accomplishment under the rules at the time. You know, mm. the rules have changed now. So, you know, you have to appreciate uh, what he's done. Um, what people need to understand that, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the Hall of Fame is an individual award, but at the same time, they need to dig deep into the organization and the history of that organization and see what each individual player contributed to that dynasty. Uh, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. And I know Roger Craig uh, has done the ultimate sacrifice to put this organization on the map. You know, when, when we get introduced at Candlestick or uh, at Levi Stadium now, you know, I mean, even the fans now that probably were too young to to recognize what we did explode because they understand that those five trophies uh, in the case in Santa Clara was done by this, uh, this era of football players. And Roger Craig, no doubt, was one of the most important pieces of, of that particular time. Right. And you you mentioned how he sacrificed part of his career. I'm assuming you mean in your meaning that he played fullback. Uh, and so his numbers, because one of the arguments against Roger Craig being in the Hall of Fame, or, or maybe not one of the arguments, but one of the reasons why younger voters might not vote him in is because he doesn't have what they perceive as the numbers that he would have needed. Which, if you understand that he would that he played fullback for what his first uh, couple of seasons at least, then that he probably would have had greater numbers. Did you see a difference 
in his play. I know there's there wasn't a difference in his attitude from fullback to halfback, but was there a difference in his play? Did did you see him once once he became the guy and it wasn't just you know Wendell Tyler's uh, fullback? Did you see him kind of take off at that point? Well, I, I saw someone that had the mentality of a true tailback, you know, that uh, I, I, I felt like he felt he was right at home when we switched him to tailback. Uh, Bill Walsh used Roger as a fullback to block for Wendell Tyler, but because he had the versatility to come out of the backfield as a fullback and mismatch some of those linebackers to cover him, uh, that was a sacrifice he made in the beginning part of his career. Mm-hmm. And like I said, whenever you have a dynasty year, you're going to have some superstars that come out right away because they played one position. But there's also a lot of people that sacrifice to get the team to where it is. And Roger Craig, no doubt in my mind, was one of those players. And it's it's so unfair to see him last this long and not get voted in. And me and him share about it, you know, uh, um, understanding uh, that the voters need to dig in instead of just looking at numbers, look at what the value of that particular player is because we we play this game for one reason and one reason only. The first choice is not to get into the Hall of Fame, it's to become mm-hmm. a champion. Right. And that's what Roger has done. Uh, that's what he has done at two different positions. And there's no doubt in my mind that it's been long overdue for this, for this man. Uh, enough is enough. I think he needs to get in right away. What do you think that would mean to him to finally get into the Hall of Fame, especially after all of the years of having to wait? Well, I I, I think he would appreciate it. Uh, I think he would get excited. But at the same time, you know, uh, it would be a relief uh, because, you know, not to compare our dynasty to any other dynasty, but now, when we watch how how some some of these great 49er teams is just trying to get their sixth trophy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, when we were playing at the time, you know, we just wanted to win, you know. And now looking back on it, to go 5-0 and oh in the big game, 5-0 and oh now, not losing one. <laughs> right. Uh, it's amazing. And, and, and not to, to discredit what Buffalo has done, but they got mm-hmm. a lot of players in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and they're zero and four right. uh, in the game. So, I mean, you ask yourself, um, what do we play this game for? You know, so you you can't just go on stats. You gotta you gotta weigh the value of each particular player. Yeah, there's there's some 49ers that have rings that that you know played on special teams and, and they played an important role. But what about players that played key roles? in making sure that dynasty happened. Uh, that has to be digged into uh, as a voter because at the end of the day, that's what the game is all about. It's an individual award, but there are individuals that play key roles, sacrifice personal stats to play key roles to get that done. And I think the voters need to look at that. Steve Young said that Roger Craig was a thermostat player on and off the field. How did he make you guys better? How did he raise the temperature of the locker room uh, on and off the field? Well, his energy. 
you know, uh, how excited he is to play the game. Uh, you know, we, we all talk about Jerry Rice's work ethic, you know, and Roger Craig was right up there with Jerry. I mean, there were the two guys that, that set the standard in a certain way of when we run the play, they ran it all the way to the end zone and sprint back to get back into the hollow, you know, uh, for the next play. Uh, it made everybody raise their standard of play. There was, a, you know, when you talk about our years as 49ers, we always talk about the standard. And that's a standard that even today, when I talk to a, a draft class that's coming in, you know, because sometimes they have me come in there to speak about what it is to be a 49er. It's that particular standard. And there's no question Roger Craig was a major part of that standard. And that's what we like, I, I, I spoke about. You know, looking back on it, I can't believe we went 5-0 and and not lose one. How <laughs> difficult it is just to win one, one championship. It was a special group. And uh, I was honored to play with these guys. And there's no question uh, my teammate, Roger Craig, uh, was a special member of that group. Yeah, we're seeing it now uh, with Kyle Shanahan's team uh, getting close to the Super Bowl, getting in the Super Bowl, and, and not quite finishing it. So you're right to win five is is quite the testament, and you guys uh, made it look easy. They never, uh, Jerry and Roger, they never got you up on that hill? No, they, <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh, you know, I, I live in, in L.A., and, and I work out in L.A., but, uh, you know, now they have OTAs where they all work out together. Back in the day, you know, you had to be motivated as an individual mm -hmm. to make sure you push yourself to the brink. So when you come into minicamp, everybody's ready to go. And, uh, you know, Jerry's workout and, and Roger's workout is, is renowned up on that hill. And uh, I haven't had the chance to experience it, but I knew myself that I had to come in in tip-top shape because that was a standard that was expected of me. Yeah. And Roger Craig set that standard and he kept it high for the rest of you. Jesse, thanks so much. You're, you're a great champion and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. All right. We have Super Bowl champion Guy McIntyre joining us uh, here today to talk 49ers Hall of Fame candidacy for Roger Craig. Guy, thanks so much for joining us. Let's get right into this. Why do you think that Roger Craig is not in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> I don't know that. Um, all I do is know that if you go by numbers and things that have been accomplished, that he's right up there with and surpassed some other guys. So I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not sure why not. I mean, that's that's something that the voters would have to answer, you know, because they're in the room. Right. Yeah, he he definitely has the numbers. He has the championships. He has everything that you want to put into it. Now, you blocked for him for many years. So tell me why he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, like you said, the numbers. I mean, that's what you go by. I mean, you go by the numbers. I mean, he and he was on a championship team. He was a major factor in the championships that we won. You know, I when I was a rookie, he was a major factor. You know, um, and 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 on and throughout the years. I mean, he he put up the numbers. He was consistent. He was he was a blocker. He was a catcher. He was you know he did everything. <laughs> 
Yeah. What year did you come into the league? I came in um, in 84, the second Super Bowl. Okay, so you were with him for all of the three Super Bowls that he won. Right. Um, so some people will hold the 1990 NFC Championship fumble against him. Is it un- – how unfair is it to – if if a voter keeps him out, how unfair is is it to hold that one play against him? Considering there were a lot of things that took place after that fumble, that uh, that that allowed the Giants to get into field goal range and uh, kick the field goal. How how unfair is that argument? I, I think that's very unfair. I mean, uh, I mean, it's a big stage, it's a big game, and I mean, running backs. Fumble things happen. It shouldn't be one thing that keeps you out like that. You right. Know, that that's 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 saying oh, this negates everything that you've done your entire career. Right. And it comes down to one fumble. You know. Yeah, it's it's like players don't get elected into the Hall of Fame based on one play, and so it right. seems to me that one play shouldn't keep you out as well. Knowing Roger like you do, what would it mean to him to get into the Hall of Fame? Oh, I mean, knowing Roger, Roger, it would be it would be fantastic. I mean, he would be elated. He, he would he would um, he would be you know a great person to represent the Hall of Fame. You know his 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 personality, his 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 likeness i mean everything everything about it you know would 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 suit him being into the hall of fame i mean he would embrace it he would respect it you know and and it, it just would be you know a, a great honor for him yeah mike singletary talks about how roger craig was uh, a mismatch for defenses that he was he was a nightmare and in fact he holds roger um in such high regard that he puts him right up there with walter payton how does the fact that he was a mismatch how did that benefit the 49ers offense and benefit what bill walsh was trying to do well one of the things that bill walsh required from his running backs was that you be able to catch the ball out of the backfield right you just wasn't a runner and a block, you know, but you catch the ball out of the backfield because that that was kind of that safety route when if if Jerry or whoever was covered downfield, we go get it to the running back and he's got a lot of space and Roger could make things happen. Right. You get Roger in the open field, he could make you miss he would he would make you miss. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was a mismatch because he's on a linebacker. <laughs> you know, and and the, and the only other linebacker that could probably keep up with him was Lawrence Taylor or some, <laughs> somebody like that, right? You know? And that's a Hall of Famer, you yeah. Know? So, um, but he could catch the ball, he could block, he could run, he could do it all. I mean, he could he could do it all. You know, he he could make you miss. He could run. He could run power. He could you know. Back then, we didn't have a lot of zone. We ran a lot of you know counters we a lot of ran a lot of 18 bobs you know outside sweeps and things of that nature um 
So, I mean, he, he, he that's that was the mismatch, that being able to catch the ball coming out of the backfield. Yeah, and I still can, in my mind, I still can see you pulling and uh, and leading the way. Uh, thanks so much, Guy, for your time and uh, and for all that you're doing. Uh, hope the hope the best for you uh, and and for the 49ers and all that you're doing there. Thank you so much for joining us for the Hall of Fame case of Roger Craig. We hope that you've learned some things and that you enjoyed watching or listening wherever that might be. Thanks again.